You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Today's episode of Locked On Wolves is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy post-game Happy Victory Monday from the Timberwolves win over the Chicago Bulls on Sunday evening. They defeated old friend Zach Levine and led almost wire to wire in a really fun game. Um, So we're going to spend today's show breaking down that game as this is the post-game podcast. We'll do the game flow here off the top, how the game went down, how the Wolves held on at the end, and then we'll talk about key takeaways. And there are several uh, from a really exciting, fun game. And um, then we'll finish, as we always do with the postgame pod, with individual studs and duds, which players played the best and the worst for your Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, We'll get to all that here in just a second. Here off the top, a quick reminder, as always, you can follow the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. That, of course, includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Wherever you get podcasts, you can also follow on Twitter, of course, at LockedOnTWolves. And at B Beacon is my account. That's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, Wolves Bulls, of course, former Timberwolves, Zach Levine in town at Target Center on Sunday evening. This game coming just a little more than 24 hours after the news broke, first by John Krasinski at The Athletic and then also by Adrian Wojnarowski at ESPN, that the Timberwolves were, um, or, or at least are likely to be purchased by an ownership group including Alex Rodriguez, the former MLB star, and Mark Laurie, a tech billionaire. Um, I did a bonus podcast on Sunday morning, so go back and listen to that if you want my full take on the situation. But um, this was the first game played after apparently the Rodriguez and Laurie group entered into a purchase agreement with current Timberwolves owner Glenn Taylor, an exclusive negotiating window for the next 30 days, but uh, valuations already been agreed upon, et cetera, et cetera. So it sounds like this is happening. It's just a matter of crossing the T's, dotting the I's, and also the next two to two and a half years will include Glenn Taylor still as the majority owner before transferring the the majority stake in the team over to the Rodriguez-Lori group. And apparently Taylor will stay on as a minority owner. Um, so this is the first game that took place after that. And I mean, hey, if if uh, if Alex Rodriguez potentially becoming a majority stake, uh, a majority stakeholder in the team in the next couple of years is going to get this team to win, I mean, let that's fine with me. I mean, there's, I mean, who knows? These guys all know who Alex Rodriguez is. Uh, I'm not pretending like there's any real connection here, but like we can run with this. I mean, Alex Rodriguez is, uh, he has uh, his parents, I believe both are from the Dominican, Carl Anthony Towns, of course, his mom's from the Dominican. Um, So there you go. There's, there's a connection right there. And uh, this team played really well. Uh, 24 hours after the news. We'll see how they do Monday. Apparently, Rodriguez and Laurie are going to be in town for the game and will be at at the game. I don't know if they'll be as visible as courtside or if they'll be in a box somewhere, but uh, a suite somewhere. But they're going to be at the game on Monday. Of course, it's the second night of a back-to-back and um, it's also the Nets. So, I mean, it's going to be tough to win, but it'll be fun to have them in town. We'll see how much that gets, uh, you know, how much that gets talked about and how aware the players are of that development. But anyway, let's get to Wolves Bulls. Regardless of what the motivation was, this was a great game. Um, 
Carl Anthony Towns had 27, 12, and 8. Oh, and I would also be remiss to point out that this was the uh, the 12-month anniversary, the year anniversary of the tragic passing of Jacqueline Cruz Towns, uh, Carl Anthony Towns' mother, due to complications from COVID-19. And so the Timberwolves did a fantastic tribute. They talked about it on the Fox Sports, uh, excuse me, the Bally Sports North broadcast uh pregame and in-game, the Timberwolves did a great job. They had a jersey, flowers on a chair reserved for her. His dad was courtside. Um, and so that was obviously uh, obviously very front and center on on Carl Anthony Towns' heart and mind. And the Timberwolves as well. Chris Finch talked about it post-game. So that, of course, is is no doubt the true motivation for Carl Anthony Towns in this game. So um, good and good job on the Timberwolves for, for treating the um, the anniversary as they did and for doing what they did for, for Carl and, and Carl senior, his dad. So, um, but Towns had 27, 12 and eight in this game was really, really good. The Timberwolves held Zach Levine to 30 points, but it took him 28 shots to get there. And, uh, the Wolves were really in control this game almost throughout. Um, they built a first quarter lead. They held onto it. They extended it to 11 points by halftime. Um, there was a little bit of a blip in the third quarter where the Wolves really struggled defensively. They struggled to secure defensive rebounds. They gave up some easy transition baskets, made some sloppy mistakes, a couple of bad turnovers, and just kind of a, a bad quarter. But the Chicago Bulls could not slow down Carl Anthony Towns really all night. They didn't double him consistently. And, and I'll get into this more in key takeaways here next segment. But the Bulls tried to single cover him at times, whether it was v- with uh, Vucevic or, or others. And Towns pretty much just dominated any single coverage. And when he got double teamed, he was for the most part making the right decision, passing out of doubles and finding open teammates. And the Wolves were making open three-pointers in this game. Um, D'Angelo Russell was amazing in the first half, fantastic in the fourth quarter. There were some brief D'Angelo Russell, Ricky Rubio minutes in the fourth quarter. There weren't any in the first three quarters. They played together in the fourth and it it went really, really well. Um, And this was when the game was kind of, I mean, the Bulls got back to within a possession and it was kind of bouncing between a, a one to three possession game for quite a while early in the fourth quarter. And the fourth quarter substitution pattern was was really fascinating. Uh, Chris Finch did a great job with it. Uh, basically, D'Angelo Russell started the quarter. He seeded uh, to Ricky Rubio. There was a brief overlap with the two of them. Then D'Lo left for a rest, came back, another brief overlap. Rubio then left the game. And the, the final closing lineup was, uh, was Ricky Rubio, um, D'Angelo, or excuse me, it was not Ruby. Ruby was off the floor at the very end. It was D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Anthony Edwards was at the two, Josh Kogi and Nas Reed was at the four. Um, we have not seen, I'm quite confident, we haven't seen that lineup really close a game. And so Jade McDaniels wasn't on the floor. Rubio was not on the floor. But Finch has been, has been for the most part, really going with the lineup that gets him to that point in the game. And Nas had a really good game, was was effective against a bigger Bulls lineup. The Timberwolves needed some rebounding help. And uh, and McDaniels, I mean, neither Nas or McDaniels is fantastic rebounding the ball, but Nas at the four with Akogi and Ant on the wings gives you some physicality and size to combat what the Bulls are doing. And I thought that he he pushed the, Finch pushed the right buttons when it came to the backcourt and playing Ruby and D'Lo together, very limited minutes, but he stuck with it for a couple of minutes when it was working and he was able to get Russell the rest that he needed. Um, you know, he's still working his way back. He still played 26 minutes in this game, but he played 28 on Friday in an overtime loss. And so they wanted to be careful with him and, and he was really good. Um, down the stretch, this was a close game late in the fourth quarter. Uh, and the Wolves never really pulled away. And um, with this, a, uh, I guess with like just over a minute left, this was a seven point game, I guess with about two minutes left, it was a seven point game. Then the Bulls got it down to three 
with a minute left in the game. Kobe White made a shot with 57 seconds left. The Wolves came down, ran a pick and roll. D'Angelo Russell, they tried to trap D'Lo on the right wing. And he just, he made a pretty simple pass out of the double team to Towns, who was completely wide open. Nobody within probably 10 feet of him. And he drained a three-pointer right in front of his dad. It was really cool on the right wing to basically put the game out of reach, going up six with 44 seconds left, or at least it should have. After the timeout, though, uh, the uh, Zach Levine scored. Towns missed a three. Then Zach Levine scored again, drew a foul on Towns and got an and one. So Zach had a chance to make this a one-point game with 11 seconds left, but he missed the free throw. Towns and Nas Reed boxed out. Um, I'm I'm going to say uh, enthusiastically, either one of them could have been called for a foul, frankly, um, down to, or excuse me, up to with 10 seconds left. But Towns got the rebound. The Wolves got the timeout. And then after successfully inbounding the ball at, at half court, following the timeout, Towns was fouled, made both free throws and the Wolves won by four. So after a couple of sloppy possessions right around that two minute mark, they had a couple of bad turnovers, a shot clock violation. There was an Akogi turnover on a, on a bad pass. Um, Towns, I believe had a bad pass or maybe it was D'Lo and um, things were, it was the kind of the typical man, things are really unraveling here, but then Towns makes the huge shot. D'Angelo Russell was fantastic on that pass. He had made a big three at about the three minute mark too, to keep this thing at a three possession game at that point. I think that pushed it to eight. Um, so both D'Lo and Towns, though they were the guys, they scored all of the Wolves points uh, down the stretch in this game. In fact, the last non-Towns or D'Lo bucket was at the 425 mark. That was a Ricky Rubio basket and that put the Wolves up three. So in the final f- uh, four minutes, it was only Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell that scored for the Timberwolves. Together, they combined for 12 points in the final four minutes and no other Timberwolves players scored. So it was the D'Lo and Cat show and, and a mediocre defensive team like the Bulls isn't going to be able to slow down a Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, two-man game in crunch time. They're just not. Um, and, and so kudos to Chris Finch for the rotations in the fourth quarter. Kudos to D'Lo and, and Towns, especially for execution, really, um, and hitting those big shots, especially Cat late, late in the game. And the big rebound off the missed free throw by Zach Levine, too. The, the Wolves were physical enough and made the officials make a decision. The officials didn't call a foul. Towns grabbed the rebound, and that was basically the game. So fantastic finish to a really, really fun game. I've got some pretty significant key takeaways in this one about uh, what the Timberwolves did really well, what they didn't do well. Also, uh, what they uh, a little bit digging a little bit more into the substitution pattern and, and what this Rubio Dilo thing in the backcourt, you know, how well did it work in this game? Um, want to talk about the pace of the game a little bit, just so a handful of, of things in key takeaways before we get into individual studs and duds, which we'll do right after that. Uh, first though, let's talk about our new friends at Indeed. You're the hiring expert for your company and what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, and Indeed skills tests that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests or add your own. Then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need 
Indeed. Get started right now with the free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. That's Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Let's also talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. Guaranteed tastes exactly like a candy bar. The new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious than ever. There's six brand new flavors. Of those six brand new flavors, my favorites are caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and cherry barcia, which is sneaky good, delicious. Um, Every single Built Bar, no matter what flavor you try, is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're all soft and easy to chew. They're perfect if you're health conscious, if you're trying to lose weight or maintain weight, while still indulging in a fantastic, delicious, unforgettable treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high in fiber. Great if you're on the keto diet. You can go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, as I did again this week. I can't stop doing it. You'll get 15% off your next order with that promo code. Again, that's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. You can get all the sports news that you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. All right, uh, let's talk key takeaways from Wolves Bulls. Number one, the Minnesota Timberwolves did a fantastic job attacking the basket and drawing fouls in this game. Not only that, they made their free throws. They were a shocking 25 of 25 from the free throw line. And uh, Carl Anthony Towns predictably was great. He was eight for eight from the line. Somehow Ricky Rubio, who's who's uh, one of the better Timberwolves players, believe it or not, in terms of free throw rate, did not attempt a free throw in this game. So Towns was eight of eight. Nas Reed was four of four. D'Angelo Russell attempted six free throws in 26 minutes. He was actually aggressive getting to the basket with six of six shooting. He said after the game in an interview with Alan Horton on uh, on Wolves Radio that he feels as good as he ever has physically. Remember, he just had this knee surgery that gave him some extra time to recover. Uh, he, I said this a couple days ago on the show, maybe, uh, maybe it was the post game after Friday. Earlier this season, I made a big point about how D'Angelo Russell not only was not getting to the free throw line or to the rim, but he was like actively avoiding it. Like his, his percentage of shot attempts that he was taking from inside three feet was like 6% or something insanely low, which you stumble, you should stumble into one fast break layup a game if you're a point guard, right? Or something like that. Um, but no, and, and I understand that he, for his career does not draw fouls, does not get to the basket. He doesn't like to do it, but it was like, he was completely avoiding it earlier this season, like actively. Um, and now that's not the case. He was actually pretty aggressive in getting into the paint in this one and uh, did attempt six free throws, six of six from the line. The Timberwolves as a team were 25 of 25. And then on the flip side, the Bulls only attempted 13 free throws and they also only made eight, which certainly helped the Timberwolves cause in a game they won by four. Chicago missed five free throws. Um, but this was the Timberwolves were a aggressive and B made their free throws and they're a decent free throw shooting team. They have been all season, but uh, still, this is a, a really good development on, you know, the, the, on the bad side of the ledger, uh, the rebounding continues to not be good. I mean, the Wolves were only out rebounded by two in this game, so it wasn't crazy, but the Bulls did have eight offensive rebounds. Timberwolves only had three offensive rebounds and uh, Chicago there were a couple of big ones where the Timberwolves just didn't even bother to be physical on the glass. It was like Towns and nobody else battling for a rebound. That happens a little bit too often still for the Wolves. And, and part of that's technique. Part of it is guys, you know, not a lot of players, frankly, even really bother to box out at the NBA level. Everybody thinks they cannot jump everybody. 
uh, that that's just that's just how it goes, and that's not a, like an old man get off my lawn thing. It's just it's just true. There aren't that many guys who are fundamentally sound. I mean, Taj Gibson is a great example, right? He's a fantastic uh, he's fantastic at boxing out. He's like, he's the only guy I can think of that's played on the Timberwolves last few years that's actually been really good at boxing out. Um, Carl Anthony Towns does it sometimes, and when he does, he's really really good. Um, but at any rate, that just doesn't happen enough for this Wolves team. They also, re- guards don't rebound well enough. D'Angelo Russell and Ricky Rubio have been good rebounding guards throughout their career, uh, and they just haven't quite done enough in that category of late. Anthony Edwards has had ups and downs. Jaden McDaniels needs to rebound the ball better. He was a little better in this game. Um, and then other power forwards that the Wolves run out there. I mean, Wancho hasn't played that much lately, but uh, him, Nas Reed, I mean, Again, he played 28 minutes, most of it at power forward. He was only at center for like 11 minutes of this game. But still, he played 28 minutes at the four and five and had one rebound in this game. And it's not like Towns had a 30-30 game. Towns had 12 rebounds. Nas Reed had one rebound. That just can't happen. And this happened the other night with Jaden McDaniels. He played like 37 minutes and had one rebound. Or sorry, he played 37 minutes and had three rebounds, one defensive rebound. I just, like, I'm pretty sure I could stand out there and wander around for 35 minutes during an NBA game and a ball would bounce to me, right? I mean, you have to be just actively avoiding getting a rebound to not to get one rebound in 28 minutes when you're playing the four. Um, so, that sort of thing just, it needs to be corrected. And that's one of the Wolves' biggest downfalls. It's something that's easy to forget is that defensive rebounding is actually a really big part of defense. And there's a reason why why defensive rebounding factors into a ton of different metrics that try to measure individual defense. Because if you're not defensive rebounding, the possession never ends, right? The offensive team just gets to keep shooting until they make the, I mean, it's it's obvious, but when you really think about it, defensive rebounding is a massive part of defense and the wolves that that's been an issue for them this year. If you go, if you look at second chance points by opponents, if you look at uh, offensive rebounding by opponents and the wolves defensive rebounding rate is not good. Um, They've been bottom five pretty much all season. So another, another thing that's been an issue. And recently, I mean, Sacramento is a terrible rebounding team. Um, I think it was Indiana was the other one. The wolves actually did quite well on the glass against, Um, but you're talking about, you know, Indiana was especially shorthanded. Sacramento is just a bad uh, they're just not very good, but they're especially a bad rebounding team. There aren't very many teams the Wolves can bully on the glass. And, uh, you know, the Bulls are one that they should have done a little better against. I mean, Vucevic only had five rebounds in this game. It's not like Thaddeus Young is a superstar rebounder, but he pulled down eight in 20 minutes. Um, so at any rate, not not to, I guess, belabor the point anymore, but that's something that has to get fixed moving forward for the Timberwolves. Other key takeaways from this one, um, on offense, the Timberwolves had really strong ball movement in this game. Occasionally, they overpassed even because they were working so hard to share the ball. They were having plenty of instances of driving and kicking. Guys were actually cutting. The timing is so much better on, on the Wolves' uh, weak side cuts now now versus, say, three, four weeks ago under Chris Finch. Um, they're just so much more active both with and without the ball on offense. D'Angelo Russell's a, a decent cutter as far as point guards go, and, and he's done a good job with that. Anthony Edwards is really figuring out when to dive to the rim on a cut from the weak side. Like say when Towns has the ball in the post on one side of the floor, um, that's getting better. Josh Kogi has always been a pretty good cutter and he just seems to be a little more active now instead of waiting for, for the ball to get thrown to him like a hot potato where he's got to launch a three. He's being a little bit more aggressive and trying to move without the ball and be active offensively, which has been really fun to watch. Um, there were some sloppy turnovers and the pace led to a lot of points given up. I mean, the Bulls scored 117. So if you saw that, you'd be like, ah, typical Wolves, no defense. I actually think the Wolves defended fairly well. Um, I'd be interested to see what the defensive rating is. Um, I don't, I 
I haven't seen it yet. It pops up on basketball reference the next morning. So I'm curious to see what that ended up being in this game, because in terms of the number of possessions, I mean, the Wolves gave up 117 and, and yeah, the Bulls shot 51%, but the Bulls made some tough shots, especially early in the second half, the third quarter, the Wolves were actually contesting most jumpers by the Bulls. They forced them into some tough threes. Zach Levine didn't have an easy night. Uh, the Wolves made things difficult for him. Um, you know, Daniel Tice made a couple of really tough shots early in this game that were just kind of bonker. Third quarter too, like shots that he doesn't, I mean, he's a good player, really good player, uh, underrated player, I think still. But I mean, there were a couple of like rainbow jumpers that he hit that aren't typical makes. Kobe White made some tough shots. I actually think the Timberwolves defended well. They moved well together as a unit. There were a couple of really strong possessions that stood out to me that I jotted down where they were actually kind of moving on a string. Guys were collapsing when they needed to collapse. They were getting back. Um, and then and then the final thing is, is the rebound. He needs to tighten up a little bit. But the defensive activity, which is the first and biggest part of the battle, is the activity and contesting shots and communication and moving on a string. Even before you get to the individual skill of one-on-one defense, that's collectively most important, all those other things, right? And they're all related. And the Timberwolves showed a lot of that tonight. I was actually really impressed with their defensive effort in this one. They had multiple fantastic defensive possessions um, that, that you know, they, they need to just watch on a loop at, at shoot around on Monday and just be like, hey, defend like this, right? I mean, just a few more times a game, you get a few of those extra stops a game and you're suddenly looking at, you know, you're that much more competitive, right? You you get a couple, three, four more possessions where you actually try really hard defensively and force a team into a tough shot or force a 24 second shot clock violation. And suddenly this team looks much, much better. Okay. Last key takeaway. Ricky Rubin and D'Angelo Russell have been playing together a lot less under Chris Finch than they did early in the season under Ryan Saunders. And especially during that long stretch when Carl Anthony Towns was out, Rubio and D'Lo together were not good. In this game, they didn't share the floor for a single minute in the first three quarters. Fourth quarter, they did briefly for about a minute, a little less. And then later in the fourth, right before Rubio left the court for the rest of the game with uh, kind of from like the five and a half to, to three minute mark remaining in the game, they shared the court and they were a plus seven in that stretch. So total in about three, three and a half minutes together in this game, Rubio and D'Lo together were a plus nine. I'm not advocating for this moving forward because I think it is only a short burst thing. I think it's when you need scoring, but you also need energy and, and you can get away with a couple of guards that are bigger and, and in Rubio's case, solid defensively, but not extremely quick, right? They can both get beaten off the dribble. They both are susceptible to that. Um, and D'Lo especially is not a good help defender, generally speaking. So I'm not advocating for heavy Rubio and D'Lo minutes. It clearly didn't work early in the season, especially without Malik Beasley on the floor, right? I mean, he's... If you're going to have Rubio and D'Lo together, you need another dynamic offensive shooter like a Malik Beasley. Without him, I just really don't think that pairing works. However, um, it it worked okay in, in short run in this game. And part of that's matchup and part of it's game situation and a feel thing. So I, I was encouraged that Finch isn't trying to do too much of it. He isn't trying to fit a round peg in a square hole. Uh, but he he did it because he wanted his best players on the floor as much as possible in the fourth quarter, right? I mean, Jordan McLaughlin played some very short fourth quarter minutes. He's been struggling a little bit more lately all the way around offense and defense. Jarrett Culver wasn't on the floor really in the fourth quarter. I, I don't think at all was pretty good in the first half, but he wanted uh, Finch wanted his best players on the floor in the fourth quarter. And that's some combination of D'Angelo Russell and Ricky Rubio in the backcourt, along with, you know, a Kogi and Edwards and, and, Basically, you had a Kogi McDaniels and, and Reed rotating at the three and the four. 
And this turned, you know, what there were 10 guys that played in this game for Minnesota, but it was effectively a seven man rotation in the fourth quarter, other than some very brief uh, McLaughlin minutes, I believe at the, at the start of the quarter. So um, I, I just thought it was really intriguing the way that Finch handled it. And, and it's something to certainly keep an eye on moving forward is if, do we see any minutes of Rubio and Russell together on the floor moving forward? Or is it going to be a, a very like few and far between situation as it was in this game? Okay, let's finish the show by talking individual studs and duds. That's what we're going to do here coming up next. First, though, let's talk about our great friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA, the NHL, and MLB are now in full swing, and BetOnline even will cover awards TV shows and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Don't wait. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. That's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, Mock drafts and more four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, individual studs and duds from this game. Um, it's got to start with Carl Anthony Towns. 27 points on 15 shots. He was 8 of 15 shooting, 27 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. He did have four turnovers, uh, but when you have 8 assists, that's all right. Uh, two blocks was a plus 9, the second best plus minus mark on the Wolves. Three of seven outside the arc. He continues his solid shooting from deep of late and also a perfect eight of eight at the free throw line. Kept his composure throughout the night. For the most part, got a fair whistle. There were a couple of weird plays where he got hammered and there wasn't a foul until like a beat and a half later. And then and then it was like, oh, okay, he did get fouled this time. Still doesn't get enough foul calls down low. But this was a game where it was a great example of him not getting overly frustrated by it. He did end up with the most shot attempts on the Timberwolves as he should. He also led, or excuse me, he was second in assist to Ricky Rubio. Um, Just a really good game for Cat. And um, again, on the anniversary of his his mother's passing, um, you know, it means all that much more to him. So fantastic game for for Carl in this one. Uh, Secondly, Ricky Rubio was awesome. 17 points, nine assists, four rebounds. Team high plus 13. He was six of 13 shooting, five of six outside the arc, made his first five three-point attempts and actually didn't make a two until the final five minutes of the game. He was, he was, oh, of, he ended up being one of seven from inside the arc, but five of six outside the arc will make up for that. He also had nine assists and zero turnovers in this game while being a plus 13 um, and did have a steal as well. So great and only played 25 minutes, by the way. He was actually uh, seventh on the team in minutes. Both Nas and D'Angelo Russell off the bench played more minutes than Ricky Rubio. So in short minutes, Rubio was fantastic. Uh, Very, very good. D'Angelo Russell obviously has to get a stud in this game. 27 points, 9 of 13 shooting, started the game 5 of 5, I believe, was 3 of 6 outside the arc, drew 6, excuse me, shot 6 free throws, as I mentioned earlier. So 27 points on 13 shots is ultra efficient. Fantastic efficiency from D'Lo. He was 6 of 7 inside the arc, three of six outside the arc, six made free throws on six attempts, four assists, two rebounds, two turnovers, was a plus two off the bench in 26 minutes. Again, part of the closing lineup played those three brief minutes with Rubio in the fourth, but really strong start to the game. Great third and fourth quarter stints as well. Um, And he is a clear stud in this one. 
I'm going to give a fourth stud because I mean, the Timberwolves won. So we have to, we have to get crazy with it, right? It's got to be Nas Reed, 18 points on six of nine shooting, made a couple of threes, four of four at the line. He only had the one rebound in 28 minutes, but uh, was good enough defensively and clogging things up was physical with Daniel Tice on that pivotal rebound on the Levine missed free throw with about eight, eight or nine seconds left and could have been called for a foul, but wasn't um, left it up to the officials and, and was physical enough, did not get the foul call. Um, he pitched in a couple of assists at well as well and was solid when Towns was off the floor, especially in the first half. The second half, things got away a little bit. Uh, not that it was Nas, only Nas's fault, but um, I mean, the Wolves will take 18 points off the bench from Nas any night of the week. Okay, if we're talking duds, this is another game where it's really hard to decide this, right? I mean, they, I mentioned the two guys off the bench who played extensive minutes as studs in Nas Reed and D'Angelo Russell um, and two starters who were also really good. I mean, Josh Kogi was fine. He was really good defensively, didn't have to do anything offensively. Anthony Edwards had a pretty good game, 15 and five, three steals, only two turnovers, made a couple of threes, good shot selection for Ant. Um, Jarrett Culver was good in short minutes. So really the only... The only player I can give a dud to in this one, and I have to because that's it's the segment, right? Jade McDaniels was one of seven shooting in 30 minutes, 0 of four outside the arc, uh, missed all four three-point attempts, two of two at the line. He had 4.6 rebounds in 30 minutes. He did have three blocks and assist in a steal, was pretty good defensively. Um, he did end up on, uh, on Levine at times on switches. And uh, did a good job when he was matched up against Patrick Williams. I mean, the rookie, Patrick Williams, the top 10 pick, had zero points in this game in 20, 26 minutes. Obviously, he was picked a lot higher than Jaden McDaniels. So it's actually kind of hard to give Jaden a dud. Defensively, he was pretty good. Um, but if I'm going to have to name someone, it's got to be the guy who shot one of seven and missed four threes, right? Um, and also, you know, the rebounding was better in this one. I guess he was still second on the team in rebounds in this game. Um, if I'm going to name another one, it's got to be Wancho. He had no points in eight minutes, was 0 of 1. Shooting missed his only three-point attempt and grabbed just one rebound in eight minutes at the four. Um, so, you know, you got to get a little bit more about Juan, uh, a little bit more from Wancho if he's going to play. Um, but all the way around, I mean, this was a solid win. Um, you know, the Bulls aren't world beaters, but they're 10th in the East. They're probably going to end up in the play-in, um, you know, the play-in rounds of, of the playoffs. They're now, they're 22 and 29 coming into the game, and they had a recent three-game win streak before they lost on Friday to Atlanta. And they've beaten some good teams. I mean, they beat Brooklyn. Um, they beat, uh, there's another good team they beat just last week. Uh, so it, it's it's nothing to sneeze at. It's certainly one of the better teams the Wolves have beaten of late, or really on the season. Um, and things get really tough. I talked about this on Sunday's show, the upcoming schedule for Minnesota is really tough. I mean, they've got Brooklyn now right away on Monday night. They follow that up with Milwaukee at home on Wednesday, Miami at home on Friday, and then at the LA Clippers on Sunday night. So you're talking your next four games are against, you know, well above 500 surefire playoff teams. Um, you know, Miami's down a little, but they're going to make the playoffs and they were in the finals last year. You're looking at Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and the Clippers. It's, it's going to be a rough stretch. Um, and thankfully, Sands Malik Beasley and Jalen Noel, this team's finally close to full strength. So all things considered, this was a really important game to have. The Timberwolves got it. And Carl Anthony Towns played great. And uh, D'Angelo Russell was awesome down the stretch. And it was just a fun game. Um, here's hoping that in front of uh, Rodriguez and Laurie and whoever else is at the game on Monday evening, that the Wolves can turn in another great performance and give the Nets, who uh, always are, it seems like, a little shorthanded with resting guys and guys coming back from injuries. Uh, hopefully they can give the Nets a run for their money on Monday. Uh, they played fairly well in Brooklyn a couple of weeks ago. So uh, we'll see how that all goes down. Uh, we'll of course have a post game podcast following the game on Monday. So be sure that you stay tuned make sure that you're following the show. And as a reminder, you can follow anywhere you get podcasts that of course includes Apple that includes Google, Spotify, and the all new Odyssey app. 
That's A-U-D-A-C-Y, the Odyssey app. You can also, it really, anywhere you get podcasts, you can you can follow and subscribe to this show. You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves. That's at LockedOnTWolves. Don't forget the T. And also my account is at B-Beacon. That's B-Beacon, two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. That's all we have for you today here on the show. A uh, One last reminder that the, the title sponsor of the show today is rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. All right, that's all we have for you today. Thanks for listening to the show. Of course, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. We'll see you after the game on Monday. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.